Hey, uh, well, first of all, I like to say, and I ask people gonna find me, cause I wanna be a part of this fucking dumb wannabe tennis tour. You know, I think they got their his testicles so far up their mouths that this is bullshit. You know. I'm not thinking about that right now. I'm just thinking about having won the world title and and hopefully trying to win another one someday. You just drop in and just smack the quarterback. Drop down, step well, I'll tell you, Stu, I did battle some humongous waves. Oh, that's the table thing? Oh, surf looks good, Ivan. Not bad. Ain't that swell with Jed and Ryman. Oh, those guys are back! Get a haircut, you Ah, uh, yes, welcome to Ain't That Swell, your weekly dredge of all things surfing. And Ryman, there is but one thing on everyone's lips this week. That's right, Jed. The events of Fiji have been the talk of surfing over the last week. All these fuckers that talk shit about all these world's best surfers have no fucking clue how dangerous and how fucking risky that is. That was Hawaiian underground mad Houdingo Kalar Alexander there, one of the psychos who charged that day. He's coming up soon. We've also got Lewis Samuels on the program to see what he thinks of the World Tour's decision not to surf in the swell of the century. That was just an absolute... Fucking but first, we're very honoured and privileged to have on our program today one of the bona fide heroes of the big session at Cloudbreak, Ryan mm, Man. Mm. Not only did he jag what some are calling the wave of the session and possibly the year, but he kept us enthralled all event long with his witty, incisive commentary. His name is Dave Wassell. Dave, what the fuck was that, man? Fuck, that's about as good as it gets. Bottom line, right? Oh. Paid trip to Epic Surf. Yeah, right. Yeah, it was all paid, all on Volcom. So, um, you must have been very... Uh, very blown away by the action. Yeah, you know what? I'm, I'm, I feel very fortunate just to be here because I actually looked at the map, and to me, it didn't seem as impressive as everybody else thought. In fact, I talked to Dorian, and he, he backed out at the last minute. He's like, ah, it's going to peak at night. It's not going to be that big. And so just, just fortunate to be there to see it all and to have that swell peak in the middle of the day, right? There's 12 hours where it could have gone either way, right? Night or day. So we, we got fortunate. That's very interesting. Yeah, it could have peaked during the night, couldn't it? And that, uh, you know, that would have meant meant everyone missed out on it. That's uh, interesting. I don't think a lot of people are aware of that. Yeah, that's the same thing we get in Hawaii every year. You know, we get swells big enough to hold the eddy, but the ongoing joke is eddy always shows up at night. So, you know, you'll wake up and you'll have seaweed on your doorstep by the time you get out there, you know, it's on the way down. What what um what was it from the day that particularly blew you away? Like there's I mean, there's too many highlights to name, but what what was one moment that really just was uh, you know, amazing? The 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 thing that really blew me away is one, you know, I was there to, to do the whole commentary thing, so I was stuck in that box and then I, I knew when the tide switched I wanted to be out there in that afternoon, right around three, four, five o'clock in the afternoon. So as I got out there and I got suited up and I jumped in the water, the first thing that I saw is the two biggest waves that anybody I think has ever seen come through at Cloud Break. And it's a picture, you know, it's frozen in time of Healy's board stuck in a lip. That, now that's an eight six. So that means that lip is 20 feet thick. And it's like, I don't know what that's like. You do the math yourself. It's like 40 by 40. So that's what I saw the minute I jumped in the water. And I'll tell you, I still, I, I have a stain in my surf shirt. <laughs> I'm just seeing that. Um, it's interesting too, because uh, Mark Healy actually had to, he had the presence of mind to, um, you know, dive down and, and undo his leg rope uh, just so he could get underneath that thing. I mean, that, that's pretty crazy stuff. 
Hey, Mark, you got presence of mind to pull your leash? I'm standing right here at his house. I just dropped off his board bag. I think he's a fag. I think he should have tried to pull in. Oh, yeah, right. Just taken off backwards. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know what? Um, he, he's very fortunate uh, that he's, you know, he's one of those very few people in the world that is competent in those situations where anybody else would have just been a deer in the headlights. He, he pulled it together and got his act together and did the right thing because I think he actually gave a sniff to the first wave of the set, which by anybody's account is a 20-footer. And the wave that was behind it, that his bullet stuck in the lip, that's twice as big. So, he's, uh, you know, we're, we're glad he's still around, that's for sure. I, I'd be running out of people to give shit to otherwise. Yes, yes, please, and please do pass on our regards to Mark. We're, we're big fans here at Ain't That Swell. <laughs> yeah, for sure I will. <laughs> and, uh, I mean, what, yeah. is, what are some of the things that you know, you can't see or that don't translate to the webcast when, when cloud break is that big. Yeah. You know what? You can't understand the, the noise that the wave makes as it comes running down the reef at first, like even if you're in the lineup, you can't see that wave, but you can hear it because it's actually below sea level as you're on the very, very furthest out drop off. And we dive that drop off all the time. It's about six, you know, 40 to 60 feet on the top of the ledge and then just drops off to an abyss. So what you actually notice first is just this roaring like I, I mean just it sounds like like a t-rex tyrannosaurus rex is just running full blast at you and you hear that coming down the line that's probably what gets your blood pumping the most uh-huh. you know, as soon as you come over one little bump you're just going to be faced with just this just uh, just a demon of a wave so um it's rare that it gets that big and uh, I think we're all, like I said, we're just fortunate just to be able to see it. And, you know, to have it come during the Volcom contest is, is just the biggest blessing of them all. That's just, I mean, it's, it's just uh, good fortune, I guess, karma. Absolutely. And, and Dave, Dave, we're hearing uh, you actually jagged yourself what is, um, what is likely to be a contender for Wave of the Year. So you, you, you pretty much got, you know, one of the bombs on the day. And for all us desk jockeys and small wave p-hearts back here and uh yes that includes you world tour surfers uh can you talk us mere mortals through the wave dave yeah so like i said i, I got out there and uh it, it's funny uh Kala alexander and we were talking about it it's when we're on the plane on the way over first person that we meet the fijian stewardess her name was uh Makiti. Kalai's like hey what does that mean she said, it means it's meant to be so that was a theme of the whole day, the whole contest, the whole swell. It was meant to be. So basically I got out there, I went out, and I told my friends, because I've been sitting in the commentary booth for hours watching all my best friends get the best ways of their life. I went out there, I hugged, shook hands with everybody, recounted every single ride that I saw, and all of a sudden the set comes and everybody yells for me to go. And so I turned around and said, no, 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 I'll wait my turn. I said, no, go, go, go. So I just I flipped around on a 10-2. And which, you know, I don't think anybody else is out there on a 10-2. And it just, it squirted off the bottom like a banana out of a peel. And just, all I remember, you know, I, I'm, I'm afraid of big waves, honestly. I'm afraid of heights. So all I remember is shaking hands, hugging my friends. And then all of a sudden, I'm at the bottom of this wave. So from A to B, I forgot. And it's just, it's, it's just like time stood still as I was just grabbing my rail in this huge barrel. <laughs> just, you know, I don't know. All I, all I remember is getting out there, shaking, shaking hands with everybody, kicking out in the channel. Kyborg picks me up, takes, tells me I'm done, come back and get a standing ovation from Kelly and all the other ASB guys on the Belmari uh, boat. And they start running at me with beer. So wow. all I can say is that it, it was, 
Kelly's claiming the best two minutes of surfing the world's ever seen. Wow, <laughs> that's amazing. I, I got, I got that. I'm, I'm taking that to the bank. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cash it in, Dave. Who knows, man? Maybe you can uh, yeah. give up, uh, give up plucking Japanese tourists out of the shore break at uh, at, at Beach Park, man, there on the North Shore. <laughs> Put your feet up. Yeah, well, for, uh, you know, like I said, it's all karma, and it was, um, it was meant to be. That's all I can say. Now, can how do you cope with the rush of making one of these waves? I mean, because. Basically, we were hearing guys interviewed, uh, you know, on the webcast afterwards, and you could almost hear their jaws grinding. Uh, you know, these guys were off their heads. There was, a, there was a chemical high there as well. I mean, what does it feel like afterwards, after you've emerged from one of those things? Uh, I tell you what, it feels a lot better than eating shit because that's my entire life has just been going over the falls stuck in a lip. So, you know, um, nine out of 10 of those end up horribly for me. So to actually have it go the other way, and I'm one of those people who always run from cameras. So this was interesting. I've, I've gotten great ways before, but usually nobody sees them. So this was literally in front of the entire world. So it's not only is it all, all of your peers, but there's just no running away. There's, I mean, there's 30 camera boats with three guys each shooting photos or video. So, you know, it's a lot of pressure. So I think with all that being said, it's, uh, it's like winning a sweepstakes, really. For me personally, just, just completing the ride was wonderful. But to be able to share it with all my friends, that's what really makes it special. Right. Ah, oh, man, I bet, I bet. And, and some of those friends actually, um, you know, guys who traveled in from Hawaii, uh, Chile, South Africa, guys kind of were flying in from all over the globe. Pat Kodowskis calls you guys the Avengers, as in, uh, you know, the film. And uh, what's, interesting, <laughs> what's, inter <laughs> what's interesting is that, you know, there's guys flying in from around the world to catch only three waves a lot of the time. Like, in these big wave sessions, you really have to choose very carefully. And, and guys, um, I, don't, I don't think people realize just how few waves um are often caught you know at the end of one of these big missions to get to fiji right it doesn't matter where you're going in the world i mean and all it takes is one that's the bottom line uh the last session that we did at Piahi, what everybody calls jaws and maui same thing i only caught one wave there um you know i tried for several others but it's once once you get that wave and you realize that that's the wave that you've waited your entire life for and every it's, it's an interesting phenomenon where all of a sudden you're faced with one of the most horrifying situations and it takes a split second to say okay i'm either going to pull my leash and swim over this under this thing or i'm going to spin around and go for it so um, that, that self-realization and then hope, hopefully it turns out for the best. So you, you, I can't put it in a, in a nice package envelope other than it is overcoming basically all your fears in life and then coming out on top. So whether, whether it's you're afraid of heights or you're afraid of talking to the hottest chick of the party, whatever it is, but you end up, you know, walking away from it and maybe getting laid or whatever but i'll tell you what it's a it's a good feeling and uh like you said not a lot of ways are written but it only takes one i love that analogy dave i think that's something a lot of surfers can relate to um yeah the hot chick at the party man you either you get sex or you don't <laughs> and you can you know you can either end up with your dick in your hand or you can end up with a big tube and a photo of it which would you prefer? You go, that's the question that you have to ask yourself. Uh, I'll tell you what, that's it. I got the best of both worlds. So, so that's, that's that I got the best of both worlds. Right, you got you I'm got happy. the barrel and I'm the dick. I'm happy in your with hand. where I'm at in my life. <laughs> um, and uh, 
I mean, who really owned it that day, though, Dave? Like, who was the the standout man? I mean, you got one of the waves of the session. Who else did you um, you know, really just oh, be vibing on? Okay, yeah, you got you got you definitely have to go Ramon Navarro. Ah, the uh, Chilean yeah, underdog yeah, man. Yes, right. what a story oh, it was. Oh my gosh, I know. And it's it, the thing is, guys, he's been doing this for a long time. You know, it's not like you know. It, but here's the thing: is now the world's really going to see it because a lot of these big wave sessions go, you know, kind of just unphotographed or whatnot, but he comes from a place where there's big giant barreling lefts down in Chile. So Ramon Navarro is one. I think uh, Pat Gadowski's his drop. Oh, the drop. Made. That, that, holy shit. And then uh, I would have to say that um, Mark Healy was probably one of the biggest standouts because he got so many waves, you know, like where everybody else got one, two, or three. I think Healy got about at least 10 super barrels you know like really really good clean barrels so they might not have been the most gigantic waves but they were by anybody's any any other of us would have been the wave of the day for us and he just put them on his pocket and walked away laughing yeah it's, it's interesting that you um you know you bring up this point that a lot of uh, the big wave sessions that go down around the world are never captured on film and it's interesting uh, also that kelly slater has come out uh you know yesterday and he said maybe you know we really should be looking at a big wave world tour, which there is, but, you know, really investing some, uh, you know, money into covering the event and, and, and covering the lifestyle and the characters in this realm of surfing, which is really doesn't get the, um, you know, the publicity that it should. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, it, it's about time that it happens. I mean, I credit, first of all, I credit, uh, Margo. Well, what was, uh, Brendan Margison, right? He's pretty much the guy who put free surfing as a profession to the world. You gotta, you gotta start there. So now that these guys are, you know, they're free surfing, but they're free surfing in literally life threatening conditions. It's going to take somebody um, to bring that to the world. And now that, you know, guys like Kelly and, and, and Healy guys who are, you know, pretty much household names are doing it. I think that we've got a, we're definitely headed in the right direction. Uh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but if we could go back to the very, the very first reason that you were, were in Fiji, and that was to commentate, Dave, and, and what a performance on the mic it was. We've actually uh, compiled <laughs> a best-of Wassel commentary highlight reel, which we will play at the, uh, at the end of, well, very shortly. But um, how exhilarating was it to be watching that unfold and, you know, talking the world through it as those big waves thundered down the reef at cloud break? Uh, man, you know what? It's uh, I'll tell you the truth. It's something that I've been practicing every day for the past 20 years, living on the beach at Pipeline. <laughs> I just sit on the porch, and you're just sitting there, just talking, just handfuls of shit, you know. So nothing gets nothing gets by us, you know. So we're just we're just critiquing everybody. We're we're kind of armchair surfers sitting there with a the cold cold stubby beer and just just ridiculing all your friends. So it was it was a pleasure to actually be put. They are not only in Fiji, but in front of the world's best surfers. For me, it was because usually everybody comes to Hawaii to see us. So this was actually going there to some exotic locale, and it was a, it's a really pleasure, pleasurable experience. I, I'm, I hope I didn't come off like too much of a turkey, but I had a good time doing it. God no, Dave. We we enjoyed it very very much. And to celebrate Dave's comprehensive performance in the tube and behind the mic at Fiji, uh, here is the best of. Dave Wassel. Look at look at Medina. Getting funky, cold, just blowing tail. Shut the front door. Are you kidding me? You know what? 
I swear to you, he looked like a spider monkey jacked up a Mountain Dew. But he regains composure and just starts teeing off. I mean, this guy thinks he's VJ Singh here at Tavarua. You know what? He's got the groove and he's feeling it. Holy steak and potatoes, wow. Batman. Are you kidding me? He's reading it like it's Braille. I mean, he probably has his eyes closed. He's like, oh, no big deal. He's literally, he's toying with his emotions like a teenage girl. He's just roller coaster riding the tar out of this wave. Look at this guy. Like, bump, bump, bump. He's riding the bucking, the bucking Bronco. Backhand, hacky sack, wow. attack. I saw his feet, like, bouncing completely off it. And it was like a Cinderella story. He just put it right back in the glass slipper. And it looks like a gem. That is Jem and the holograms. Just look at him just sitting in there forever. Yeah. What's he doing? Writing an autobiography <laughs> in there? Perfect positioning, park it, Parkinson. Get those shorts back on. The, the guys on the jet ski are like, hey, we're a little hot over here. Can you spray us down with some water? He's like, sure, no problem. He's a tube whisperer. Come on. He's the seasonal lawn of barrel riding. Are you oh. joking? I started clapping so loud. People on the other side of the island were like, really, Wassel? We're trying to take a nap. How about knocking that off? Oh my god! What a oh my gosh! Are you kidding me? Are you joking? Holy moly! Oh my god, people! Look at this guy! You are straight up the hero of the world right now. Are you kidding me? Right there, you had to think that you were just toast. Absolutely burnt toast, covered in Vegemite and you stick it and you come out victorious. Whoa! I'm going over to Bury Night tonight. There's a big party. Wow. <laughs> oh. Wow, guys. What a guy, Ryman. What a guy. Indeed, Jed, indeed. But it wasn't all good news out of the Volcom Pro Fiji. There was little question of exactly what happened to the world tour surface. Yes, that's right, Ryman. Uh, as we all saw on the webcast, when the going got tough in the form of 20-foot kegs thundering down the reef at Cloudbreak, the World Tour, they got going all right, Ryman. Back to the restaurant at Tavarua, that is, where they ate plate lunches and watched on TV as a team of underground underpaid semi-professionals owned the man-sized waves, just like the rest of us. And now, it's polarised opinion in the surfing community, and when that happens, there's only one man to go to. Samuel, thanks for joining us this week on Ain't That Swell. Uh, Fiji, man, what are your thoughts? Don't even, don't even get me started. Seriously. I mean, <laughs> that was just an absolute fucking debacle. Am I allowed to swear on the show or not? Swear away. Swear away, man. Uh, if there's ever a situation that called for obscenity, uh, this is it. I mean, absolutely baffling. Like... I know everyone's trying to spin it, that we're supposed to think positive and, you know, that people could have died out there and all the rest of it. They would only run a few heats. And I, I will say that it's great that all the guys who got to surf got to surf and that the level of performance would not have been as high if they ran three heats with Taj versus Bede and, you know, even John John versus Ace or Demo versus Kerr, they just wouldn't have pushed each other the same way, and it was great to see those guys score the waves of their life, but in terms of the fact that they had the chance to run a contest and they didn't, it was just, you know, absolutely incomprehensible. It, it's, and, interesting. Uh, it's interesting that you bring up this, uh, this point of death. Are we, are we perhaps looking through this in a... Uh, an Anglo, uh, incorrectly through, like, an Anglo-Saxon point of view? You know, maybe, you know, if this was a Japan, say... 
perhaps death was would be favourable to the level of dishonour these surfers have brought upon the world tour? Well, I, I completely agree. I mean, I think that at a certain point, like, talk about it being dangerous out there, you know, like, that's not dangerous. Like, war is dangerous. Like, sending an 18-year-old kid to Iraq, that's dangerous. Like, sending Taj out to surf absolutely mindlessly perfect cloud break at that size when you could have borrowed a vest and a board, I mean, no one even got hurt that day. And if you look at statistically what happened in the big wave, no one ever really gets hurt. Like, every now and then, a Hawaiian dies when they go to Mavericks. But that's basically it. Mm. But that, that's all. And... uh if you look at what happened in the heats that they did run, you know, those guys had to go at it. Like, Eid and Adam Mellon, like, were definitely dodging the barrel, but, like, fuck, at least they got some waves. If they went out and they, you know, swung away and took off on some waves, it was definitely the wave count wasn't an issue. It wasn't that those guys couldn't have caught waves. And in terms of injuries, with Rioni getting hurt, like, they showed him in the restaurant afterward. That guy was stoked. Like, he went out there and he charged. He pulled into a huge cavern. He almost made it. He fucked up his knee, and he was sitting there with a huge smile on his face because he knew that he wasn't going to have to ask himself any questions. Like, he went. He went out there, he charged, and everyone saw it. And all the guys who didn't do it, like, they're the ones who are going to be asking themselves questions for years. You know? Right. Like, where the fuck was Taj? Right. Why didn't Taj paddle out when they called it off? Right. And to clarify, just uh, the World Tour service who did surf, I- I've got him here. It's uh, Joel Parkinson surfed, Mick Fanning surfed, Josh Kerr surfed, Damo Hobgood surfed. Pat Gadowskis, who'd already been eliminated from the contest surf, Ace Bucken surfed, John Florence surfed, and uh, Kelly Slater surfed that morning, but as far as we uh, know, he did not surf in the afternoon when it when it was maxing. Yeah, and hats off to all those guys. Like, they deserve a huge amount of credit. Like, there was a line drawn in the sand, and they all stepped up to the challenge, and they did not need to, you know? Like, there was nothing on the line except their reputations, which for some people is a lot, but still, they could have just, you know like, wandered off to the bar like every other guy on tour did, and they didn't. And, like, hats off to Nick Fanning. I would not have expected him necessarily to do that, and he did it, and he surfed pretty well, you know? And, like, how about Josh Kerr, like, with a messed-up ankle going out anyway? A, a grade-two ankle ligament tear is, is what we're hearing. That's a, that's the injury that, that crueled Joel Parkinson's world title run in 2009, if, you, if, you, uh, if you'd recall. Right, and that's it. You know, Josh Kerr is a surfer. Like, he is a surfer's surfer. And I don't know where some of these guys grew up but like where i grew up the best surfers go out when the waves get the best they've ever seen them get you know like there's no ifs and buts about it like yeah. don't talk about like the devil wind and like oh my board isn't right like you have to go out like if yeah. you ever want to go back to that surf spot and hold your head up high amongst all the boys you have to paddle out yeah there's just and no doubt about I, it. I think what uh is perhaps most frustrating or ir- irritating to surf fans is that uh you know we wanted to. It just didn't seem like these guys were surfers. Surfers, you know, they they're supremely talented. We know that much, but there was no. Um, very few chose to test themselves when when given the opportunity, and yet the guys who did, you know, uh, take up the challenge. We're, we're talking part timers here. Um, you know, guys like uh, well, Danny Fuller, a former uh, model for the uh, French perfume company uh, Chanel. We have Dave Wassel, a lifeguard on the Hawaii's North Shore. Kalar Alexander, an employee of a genetic laboratory in Hawaii. These were the underground hellmen who, um, man, they took on, they took it on. They, they, these were the surfers, surfers, not, not the guys on, uh, you know, million dollar salaries and stuff. It was, it was, um, right. You, you couldn't script it, Lewis. And that's the other thing that was classic too, is that people were talking about, oh, those guys trained for this all year. Like Nathan Fletcher is in the channel smoking cigarettes on <laughs> camera. 
like that guy is not training like running on the bottom of the ocean with rocks in his arms, you know? Like he just has balls. Like he's just a fucking surfer. He went out and charged because they were the best waves anyone had ever seen. And I know everyone who's listening to this, there's going to be that group of people who are like, oh, well, you weren't there, you know, like you go paddle out of waves like that. And like the truth of it is, I wasn't there and I'm fucking upset I wasn't there. Like if I had actually managed to get myself there, I would have fucking grabbed a board from whoever the fuck I could have grabbed from one and gone out there to my death, probably, just because what else are you going to do as a surfer? Like, that is your shot at it. Like, you could have gone out there, and there was easy ramps into those barrels. Like, if you watch some of that footage, like, yeah, Pat G stuck that ridiculous drop, but some of those waves, once you were on a big enough board, guys were gliding in on that ledge and, like, just getting to their feet, no problem. And, like, I love Ramon Navarro. That guy is oh, man. amazing. Isn't he surfer. something? Yeah, but the thing is, man, I've surfed with him. He's not that good of a surfer, okay? Like, I know people are going to say, oh, bullshit. But, like, compared to the talent level of a Taj Burrow, Ramon is, like, not even close to the in the same league. And he's going out there with slower reaction time, less skill, less talent, and getting the sickest barrel like anyone's ever seen, just because he wants it, and he went and did it. And for you to be as good as you are, you know, to be on the world tour, call yourself one of the best surfers in the world, and not go out there and surf it with that level of skill, like, I don't want to hear about your equipment problems. Give me a fucking break. You know, like, go buy a gun. Like, I did when I was 15, and I lived somewhere that there was big waves. You go buy a big board, and you have one less excuse. It's, like, really simple. It's interesting, and, uh, It's interesting, Kelly. Uh, Ke- Kelly's reasoning for not surfing that afternoon. He said, um, you know, he had a bad gut feeling about it. And, uh, Lewis, I think I know what that gut feeling was. He was, uh, Kelly, Kelly, you were shitting yourself, man. Your bowels were about to drop on the floor. You know, it's nothing to be ashamed of, but... I think this is part of the problem, this lack of transparency. There's been a lot of smoke screening, sidestepping the issue. The fact is, as you have said, the best surfers in the world chose not to surf pumping perfect giant waves, while a bunch of underground, underpaid heroes did. Um, I suppose the question is now, Lewis, what does that say about the world tour? You can't take it seriously. I mean, at this point, it's a small wave tour. Like, that's it, you know? Like, they have a big wave tour, and we used to think there was just a general tour that would surf whatever conditions were put in front of them. And guys go to contests and they surf in mushy waves that are one foot high and they talk about, oh, well, you have to be good in everything. But apparently you don't have to be good in giant big barrels. That's not a part of being the best surfer in the world anymore. And so how can you take the ASP seriously? I mean, it is, again, that's why they just lost such a massive opportunity. It's like they could have legitimized the tour. It's been on the brink of disaster for years. And it just got too easy to beat away at it like a pinata. I mean, like... A lot of people, myself included, got bored of doing it because, like, how many years can we go on complaining about the ASP? But, like, this was just that, that point where you're like, okay, great. It's obvious now what's going on. And just the whole, you know, Orwellian nature of seeing video of those guys sitting in the restaurant with their chicks, like, eating plate lunches <laughs> in the pool with drinks instead of surfing out there, you know? Like, I don't know how you could sleep at night after that, you know? It was like not only did they not step up, but they were humiliated on the webcast in front of the entire world. It didn't even seem to be concerned about it. You know, mm, it yeah, like, there's been a very conspicuous oh, silence. Ah, it's, like I said, it's actually is upsetting to me because like, you know, I give my left nut to go and have a shot at that day. And uh, so would a lot of other surfers all over the world, regardless of skill level. Like they still would have just tried their damnedest to go out there and get one way and just sat out the back and waited for that one opportunity where a ramp with a chip shot came their way. They got in. They set their line and stood there and watched the lip pitch over them and got to see what they were made of, you know? Yes. I wish I had that opportunity. Yes. Those guys did, and they sat around. All right, Lewis. Well, uh, thanks for joining us tonight. That's well, man.
Everyone shares Lewis's view that the World Tour surfers should be handing back their briefcases of cash after the shame of cloud break right now. No, that's right, Jed. Kalar Alexander has built his reputation as one of the toughest men in surfing. He basically runs the North Shore of Oahu. He's a member of the infamous Hawaiian surf crew, the Wolfpack, and he spent the day out there at cloud break dodging and weaving his way through giant barrels. That's right. So we asked him how he feels about some of these big name, big salary guys not even paddling out. Because what's crazy about it, but what's particularly crazy is that you surfed it. I mean, you charged it, and yet the the supposed like world's best, you know, they went missing massively, man. Like, um, what do you what do you make of all that? I, I'm interested to know. Well, well, they're just humans. They're not, you know, they're just human beings, and they, they have six fours. They don't. Yeah. No? No, there's no great surfers. No, why, well, why would you? If you no. don't want to surf it, don't surf it. That's, you're all human. That's a good point. Yeah, I mean, I suppose it's interesting. Yeah. Is it, it's a different sport, is it? Like, I mean, in those big waves, it's just, it's not the same sport. It's, it's, it's not a, it's, it's the same sport to me. You still, you ride a, you ride a surfboard and you paddle. Yeah, yeah, okay. I, I don't think it's, I don't think it's another sport. It's just a more raw version of it. Yeah. Um. Are these guys are you know they call they call them the best in the world. Should they be more rounded? Should they be able to surf in these waves? Definitely. Yeah. I think so. I think so. But if you don't, if, I mean, you know what? Just because you're a great surfer doesn't mean you like. I mean, want to risk your life. Yeah. This is so for some people that's not going to be fun. Yeah. So if you're not having fun, don't you, you shouldn't go out. You know yeah. what I mean? That's the way I see it. You judge him for it? I don't, I don't think you should judge him. Okay. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I just, you know what I mean? It's like, how often the waves get that big and perfect? It doesn't. It's very rare. It doesn't happen all the time. Does it get six to eight feet all the time? Yeah, you know, even ten feet. You know, yeah, a lot of these guys can surf it. Right. So it doesn't happen that, that like this that often. This was intimidating. Like, you know, they're, I mean... It was fucking gnarly. I was scared too. Yeah. I love big waves, so I went out and I have the right equipment. I have good equipment. Yeah. If you look back at in history, especially like some of the the, big, the events in Hawaii, like they, they, everyone talks about the '75 Smirnoff Pro was really big Waimea, and I think '86 uh, maybe was another big Waimea, and, and surfers like, you know, um, they probably didn't want to surf then either, but they did, and they they almost died, <laughs> but like they still surfed, you know. Um, do you, how do you compare like the the two eras or like uh, how things have changed since then? I suppose. Um, that's a good question. You know, um, I would say I would say um, this was way harder than the the spin off my man. Yeah. Because it was twenty feet, and you have to ride the barrel. Yeah, that's true. Every way was there's no oh, maybe I'll go around this section or I'll, I'll pro it out. Absolutely not. You don't want to even think about proning out out there. White man, you might go down, get caught in the white water, come up, get washed in. You know, it's pretty gnarly. But this fucking wave is barely like Tropewood Pipeline with a G-Land wall on it. <laughs> for 200 yards. Shit. So, like, this is big wave surfing at its most 
you know what I mean, advance. Like, you have to be, you have to have the balls to put yourself in the position in the beginning of the wave, and then you have to have the skill to ride this huge barrel. Totally. You know what I mean? So it's a way different. I think this was, to me, I mean, we all agreed. I was, I was there. I went there. My group, I, they were the best big wave riders in the world. Yeah. And no one could dispute that. And they all said that this was the most epic big wave session they've ever seen or been a part of. It's a good point. I think this is important. I think what it has really defined um, uh, surfing this this event because that they didn't surf like and 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 you know to call these guys the best in the world when when you're not surfing waves of that consequence and you know they weren't easy waves to surf like you said it wasn't Waimea it wasn't just a drop. The best surfers in the world. I think there's still some. They are some of the best surfers in the yeah. world. Yeah. I I think these guys that ride those big waves are some of the best big uh, best surf the world too. Yeah, absolutely. If you, if you go around all year and you don't ride a 9-0 or even an 8-0 and suddenly one day and I remember the first time I went to Chopu it was 20 feet. I didn't fucking grab a tow rope. Fuck no. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You know what I mean? Yeah. Never did, I've never told sir. Yeah. Why would I want to go out with a 20 foot Chopu and tow it for my first time? No. You it, know, so if you look at it in that perspective Yes. I've seen some of them come off the YBA, but this is 20 foot pipeline, 20 times as long, and it's like Chopu pipeline put together with a G-Land wall. That's the best way I can explain it. I mean, how do we decide? Do, do, do we need guys like yourself and Mark Healy in, 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 in a um, world tour event when it's that big to decide, you know, to help decide? Well, I guess, I guess in that... Who is the best? Yeah. Absolutely. That's not, if, it, if that's not fun for you, then don't go out. It's not a big deal. Like, I don't think, see why anybody should make a big deal out of that. But what people are forgetting is that these waves will fucking kill you. Yeah. You know, these people have lives, they have kids. You know what I mean? If you don't, you're not ready to risk your life, then why do it? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. They, they, no, you can't, people, you can't hold a gun to someone's head. People in the world that are criticizing you guys not going out. Absolutely. Absolutely, and and finally, um, I'm just uh, thinking like a lot of these big wave guys that, uh, have jobs, you know, like real jobs. They go back to 
to to civilization and they work for a living. Um, like Dave Wassell's a lifeguard. Uh, I mean, who else? Are, I think Jamie uh, Jamie Mitchell's like a. I think he's a lifeguard too. Uh, I mean, I suppose. Do you do? You... I I have a job too. I work for a genetic laboratory. You know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Which is crazy because when you consider that, you know, if you get injured, if uh, you know, you can't work and you and, and you lose money. It's um, there's a lot more at stake in a way, and yet you guys are still doing it, which is quite amazing. Well, that's why we that's why we use uh, vests and, and inflatable vests, and and we have big boards and we have the right equipment, and we go out there. And if we go for a wave, we go 100. percent That's why we look out for each other. That's why we have skis out there. You know what I mean? Where it's calculated. It's a calculated risk. It's not like fucking. We're just going out for our first time like that would that would be more crazy it's almost more crazy that those guys got like Nick Powell's out on my 8-0 than us going out there because yeah. we're used to this that's what we do it's calculated we, we calculate the risk we, we have all these safety things that, that can help us you know we, we have guys out there on the ski it's calculated you know what I mean like to, to not surf that shit hardly ever or never and then yeah, okay, that's a, yeah, that's a good point. Okay. You know, of course, that you can't criticize these guys. No. It, it, I mean, everybody who criticizes, criticizes these guys have never been in the water when there's 20 to 25 foot waves. You just can't, you cannot fathom what that's like. Absolutely. These fuckers, all these fuckers that talk shit about all these world's best surfers have no fucking clue how dangerous and how fucking risky that is. Yeah. They have no fucking clue at all. You hear that, Jed? You've got no idea. No fucking idea. That's right, right, man. I'm sitting here in my gilded cage in Bondi, smoking menthols and patting my cat while these wild men throw themselves over 20-foot ledges. Who am I to say anything? But, uh, unfortunately, that's all we've got time for this week. So, uh, until next week, stay wet, right, man. <laughs>